Super Talk Mississippi media production. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Here we go. Friday afternoon with you. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming online at supertalk.fm from the SEC Baseball Tournament. Just two day, uh, two games on the docket on this Friday. And um, first one involves Ole Miss. Ole Miss and Arkansas playing an elimination game right now. Mississippi State and LSU will play for the second time this week, although really it's more like the third time this week but only the second one that will uh, count as a win or a loss given the long game that they had earlier uh, this weekend. Arkansas goes three up, three down in the top of the first inning. A good start for Gunnar Hoagland, and Ole Miss will come to the plate in the bottom of the first. Happy Friday afternoon rolling into the Memorial Day weekend. We are glad to have you along. Sports Talk brought to you every day. By Mississippi Land Bank, online at mslandbank.com. Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. If you've got land financing needs of any kind and you're at North Mississippi, Mississippi Land Bank can help. They've been financing land and all that goes along with it for over 100 years. Mississippi Land Bank, mslandbank.com. Borky, welcome to Friday. Yeah, and I almost didn't make it to Friday, so I had one of those O oh, four-letter word moments. As I was getting in the car to come to the studio, turned the key, nothing happened. Sat for a minute, turned the key, nothing happened. Sat for a minute, turned the key, nothing happened. Called Will East and said, I might not make it to the studio today. My car won't start. Turned the key again, started, ran fine. I'm at the studio. So with a move coming next week, I almost had a car that wasn't working but I'm here, and it's all good. You made it sound like that was more dire when you said, I almost didn't make it to Friday. You meant you almost didn't make it to the show on Friday, not like you yeah. almost lost your life. No, well, I mean... Two completely different things. Yeah, two very different things, but I guess when you wrap up your identity into what you do, this kind of is my life. You know, it pays the bills at least, and I almost, I almost didn't make it here. Come on now, your job's what you do, not who you are. Just take an Uber. I, I did wonder, I mean, did you toy with the idea of, oh, I'll just Uber to work, or no, you were going to shut it down at that point? Well, there would have been nobody that would have been able to come in and do my thing. Will's got a, a busy afternoon himself, too, getting ready for the holiday. So it was all up to me. I pulled up Uber. The closest one was 20 minutes away, but that would have been my only option, and I would have gotten here, like, right at showtime, but it would have worked out, I guess. Or you could have not showed up and Will couldn't have done it and we would have just sat here and watched baseball and you would have, like, press replay on yesterday's show, which would have been weird because it was, like, live updates of a game that were happening. <laughs> yeah, it's like one of those things where... That would have been uh, uh, there's less a we- than ideal. Yeah, where, where there's a weather delay and uh, the... Um, the people will just play like old football games in the middle of March because there's a weather delay in the baseball game. It'll, it would have been something like that. 
We are glad to have you along from the SEC Best Baseball Tournament. Richard Cross, Brian Haydad, and Brian Scott Rippey here in Hoover, Mississippi State, and Vanderbilt last night. The epitome of a pitcher's duel. Ethan Small, good once again on the mound for Mississippi State. He was the SEC Pitcher of the Year. So was Drake Fellows. It was Drake Fellows moving to 11-0, and a one nothing ball game last night. Yeah, I mean, you talk about a pitcher's duel, and that's 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 how you draw it up. Small, one of his best performances of the year against that Vanderbilt lineup, which is so potent, uh, double-digit strikeouts. He really he did a good job handling that, that lineup, especially SEC Player of the Year, J.J. Blade. He had a lot of success against him. Uh, just let one uh, a little sequence there get away from him that gave away the one run, and MSU was unable to do anything offensively against Fellows and the rest of the Vanderbilt uh, bullpen. How about four games and a combined 13 runs scored yesterday. Yeah. You had Ole Miss one to nothing over A&M, Mississippi State one to nothing over or excuse me Vanderbilt one to nothing over Mississippi State. Georgia beat Arkansas 3 to 2 yesterday. That's why Arkansas is in this elimination game right now and LSU beat Auburn 4 to 3 and had kind of a crazy ending to uh, to that one. So a lot of low scoring. The pitching was really good yesterday across all four games that we saw. If you go back to the pitching matchups, you had Doug Nikhazy for Ole Miss, John Doxakis for Texas A&M. Uh, Auburn kind of, uh, they started Jack Owen. Uh, LSU started, they start Landon Marceau yesterday. And Georgia had Wilcox. Uh, you had Isaiah Campbell throw for Arkansas. And obviously Drake Fellows and Ethan Small. It's a heck of a list of pitchers from yesterday. Yeah, the, the one matchup that doesn't have elite pitching, Auburn-LSU, you have an Auburn team that, that hasn't been playing very well lately versus an LSU team that had to be on fumes after getting to bed at 4 in the morning on, on Wednesday night. Yeah. Arkansas went 1-2-3 in the top of the first inning. A good start in this ball game for Gunnar Hoagland. Connor Noland, the also backup Arkansas quarterback, who is a freshman on the uh, Arkansas football and baseball teams. I guess redshirted, just played in four games last year. Right-hander, the starting pitcher for Arkansas. He's been the Sunday starter for the last half of the season, and he's in a long battle with Thomas Dillard, who's got a 2-2 count and is the leadoff hitter. What do you think of the pitching matchup today, Rippy? Um, Ole Miss is going to need Gunnar Hoagland to be good, and his velocity looked way up in the first. He, he hit 91, 90, 92, 93. Yeah, and I think he hit 94 once or twice Did as he? well, uh, according to the television gun on a text I got. So um, they're going to need him to be good today. I mean, it certainly looked different to the naked eye. The gun here on the scoreboard has been kind of weird this week, but they're going to need him to be good today because while their bullpen is okay, you're going to need some length because they're going to someone's going to have to start tomorrow. It's probably going to be Houston Roth, but... They don't need to go to the bullpen in the third or fourth inning today. Thomas Dillard strikes out for the first out of the ball game. Gray Kessinger coming to the plate. So that's kind of what's happening baseball-wise. We'll recap last night's Mississippi State Vanderbilt game coming up uh, and get to a bunch more with you this afternoon. But about 8.30 last night, things kind of went crazy on the news front. Ole Miss Athletics Director Ross Bjork. Uh, it kind of leaked out. There was initially a, uh, a report from, I think, Ben Baby at the uh, Dallas Morning News that Texas A&M was going to announce uh, Ross Bjork as its athletics director today. Everything kind of went haywire after that. Uh, they ended up officially announcing last night that Ross Bjork's was, uh, Bjork was the next AD. Ole Miss released statements from uh, the interim chancellor, Larry Sparks, and also from Ross Bjork and... Uh, it was a crazy kind of hour, two, three hours last night, and a pretty significant change now coming at Ole Miss. Seemed like it caused most people off guard, including some people around the athletics department as well. Um, so 
just just kind of a quick timeline. It was three o'clock yesterday afternoon when people in the athletics department found out uh, this uh, this deal with Texas A and M was put together quickly. Uh, not that they didn't have a process that they went through, but um, Ross Bjork met with, interviewed with, however you want to describe it, Texas A&M on Wednesday, and was offered the job. Contract was negotiated, and job was accepted yesterday, and it was officially announced last night. Uh, Three o'clock or so yesterday afternoon, senior staff at Ole Miss Athletics were notified. There were very, very few people outside of that small group uh, that uh, outside of those people that that knew about what was going on. Um, About 10 or 15 minutes before the Dallas Morning News report came out last night, I I had somebody tell me, hey, there's some big news coming tomorrow, but wouldn't go any farther than that. And then shortly thereafter, uh, you got the news that it was was out there. Um, But, yeah, people at Ole Miss had no idea this was coming. And it's probably mostly because of the speed at which it happened. I think that's reasonable. Um, Texas A&M had, uh, had talked with or interviewed um, some other candidates as well. Uh, they had reportedly either talked to or offered the job to Rob Mullins at Oregon, to Dan Radakovich at Clemson, and to Kirby Hocutt at, uh, at Texas Tech. And when none of those three worked out, they zeroed in on Ross Bjork, scheduled the meeting, it went well. They offered it, and he accepted the job. Not surprising at all that given that opportunity, Ross Bjork would accept the job. Is it surprising to you that Texas A&M offered the job to Ross Bjork? Yes. I'll answer that. Yes, I'm very surprised by that. I think a little bit, but I don't think, like, I think Ross sometimes got a bad rap that wasn't necessarily deserved. I think he was a pretty good athletic director, did a lot for facilities, and so... I mean, maybe because of the sheer magnitude of the job being what it's the largest, one of the top three largest athletic budgets in the country, number one. Okay, yeah, yeah hard to beat that. Um, so, you know, obviously, yeah, from from his vantage point, obviously you're going to take a job like that. I mean, those don't really come around very often. Yeah. I actually talked to Ross a little while ago. He said I was not necessarily looking to leave and wasn't going to bounce to a job that wasn't a top ten type athletics program. He said, but... Texas A&M either is that or has the potential to be that in basically every single sport and in all the different categories kind of that you uh, you look at. So uh, we'll talk more about this and the, the decision, what it means for Ole Miss, what it means for the state of Mississippi, who could some potential candidates be, what's the timeline going to be. We'll get to all of those questions as we continue this afternoon. Two out for Ole Miss. Got a one-out base hit from Gray Kessinger. He's at first base with two down. In the inning, and Cole Zabowski, who was yesterday's hero, coming to the plate. Sports Talk Mississippi with you on this Friday afternoon from the SEC Baseball Tournament in Hoover, Alabama, in the Renaissance Bank Studio. Back with you on Super Talk Mississippi. It's Sports Talk Mississippi on this Friday afternoon from the SEC Baseball Tournament in Hoover, Alabama. First four batters of the game that Gunnar Hoagland has repl- uh, has faced, he has retired in the ballgame. C Spire text line is open to you, 601-879-4395, 601-879-4395. That's the number for the C Spire text line, C Spire, customer inspired. You can also tweet the show at Sports Talk M-I-S-S. Before we get to the, the Mississippi State-Vanderbilt game, 
Rippy, what do you think the, the questions are that Ole Miss fans have with regard to Ross Bjork leaving and moving on? And, and Borky, I guess I would, would add you to that as well. O- Ole Miss fans, what do you think they want to know? What do you think they need to know? What are they asking? When they're hiring a chancellor, who they're going to hire, and then when that chancellor is going to hire an athletic department director and who that is going to be okay so so four questions that really don't have an answer right now yeah and then i i guess a question would probably be potential candidates and obviously there's some obvious old miss ties out elsewhere that makes sense but i'm not sure it's it it's i'm not sure it would be able like you'd be able to get an accurate candidate pool given the person that's presumably going to make the hire does not exist yet well they exist they, but they're yes. not in the position yes sorry but like they're not in the position to make the hire yet. You don't know who's going to make the hire, I guess, is is kind of the hang-up here. I had multiple members of senior staff at Ole Miss last night tell me that they were under the, um, under the impression that the interim chancellor, Larry Sparks, would not be making the permanent athletics director hire that didn't uh, – they as uh, – that, that his thought was that that would not be prudent, that that was something that um, – the uh, the new chancellor was due whenever he's in place. I think the, the the other question though is a reasonable one. What the heck's taking the college board so long to get to the point where they're even interviewing chan? Never mind hiring someone, just interviewing somebody for the chancellor position. Its existence doesn't make sense. It's been a long time. Dissension dissension on whether like which direction to go. It sounds like. Yeah. Say it again, Borky. Its existence doesn't make sense. There are people on that board, and I'm sure they're all wonderful and they're all great people. I'm I'm not questioning their character, but there are people on that board that have ties to the other schools within the state of Mississippi. There are people on the board that have a Mississippi State background and a Southern Miss background and a Jackson State background and all that stuff making decisions for Ole Miss. And so the timeline is a nightmare to begin with, but... The entire process doesn't make sense. Why should somebody from Ole Miss or Mississippi State make a decision for the other school to begin with? It's something I've never understood since I've lived here, and it's been almost a decade now. Yeah, and you know, the, the reality is this is something that the Mississippi legislature would have to change uh, because they go with institutions of higher learning, is, uh, you know, colloquially, colloquially, whatever. State College Board, and the idea is you bring a bunch of people together and they make decisions that are best for the entire state. Well, guess what? Guess who that's not best for? Individual schools. Why not alter it and have... Hayden, how do you feel about this? Shouldn't Mississippi State have its own board? Old Miss should have its own board. Southern Miss should have their own board. Absolutely. I've always thought that. It never made any sense to me that an Ole Miss person could make a decision that would affect Mississippi State and vice versa. And then you don't want it that way. because And kind of the gentleman's agreement on the college board, when, when Mississippi State hired Dr. Keenum, the president of the board at that time, if I remember correctly, was a quote-unquote Ole Miss person. And what they did is they said, we're appointing one of the Mississippi State people to lead the search committee, and we're going to get out of the way and let you do your thing. So, so you go make the hire that you want to make, and we'll support the decision. So that's kind of the gentleman's agreement on this thing, and I think that's what's happening on the chancellor search at Ole Miss, Ford Dye, uh, who is a, a physician that's based in Oxford, and uh, Chip Morgan, who I'm not entirely sure what Chip does now. At one point, he was a president of Delta Council. Uh, those two guys who are on the college board are primarily going to direct the, the search. 
But it's time to get going. And, and whatever politics has gotten it to this point where you had to drag it out this long, it's kind of ridiculous. You talk about the board's existence. It exists for funding for the smaller schools, is it not? That's who. Be- that's the only people who benefit, really, from this IHL thing. Because the IHL does the appropriations for all the schools. Well, just establish that the, legis- that, that the smaller schools, through whatever formula there are, will get the money and allow them to build boards. Look, I mean, it, it, you, you can say that, that that's not the best way to do it, but it's kind of like capitalism and education. Either sink or swim. Yeah. But if you don't like that, I'm sorry. I mean, this, when you look at it, well, I, might, I might upset some people, but, I mean, the state has about three, four colleges too many. I mean, they're just, I mean, especially with, you know, Jackson State, Alcorn, and Valley. I mean, Valley basically operates in the red at all times and then they just and yes the answer is you will you'll yeah you, you will upset people going down this road yeah you will but i mean so you're right though it's 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 not probably the best scenario from a, a capitalism standpoint but this is just sort of the the path this state has always put it on been on well and there if we're being honest and I, and I didn't necessarily mean to go down a political road on this but there's a lot of con- consolidation that needs to happen in the education system in mississippi and it's not just with the college board yeah we're not picking on SWAC schools or the W or, or any of the smaller schools just because they're not in the SEC. It needs to happen in the secondary education system. Counties that have, you know, four school systems and three school board or three different school boards and superintendents that are, I mean, we're in a state that, that struggles to fund everything, just pissing money into the wind is not a great idea. And that's what you're doing no, I agree by, by having multiple uh, superintendents and he, uh, a lot know. of salary getting paid that could be going into the actual schools. Yeah, I mean, there's and look, I live in a place where you have the Oxford School District and the Lafayette School District, and they're both very good school districts, but they have different philosophies about the way they go things. And you want to talk about upsetting the apple cart? You you try to combine those two school boards into one and give one superintendent for two schools that have very different mindsets and very different goals and everything else, and you're going to make a lot of people mad. I'm sorry if you're mad. Combine them. We got 82 counties in Mississippi. Let's have 82 superintendents. And in reality, we got 82 counties in Mississippi. We probably need about 60 superintendents. Probably need to combine some counties as well. And go save a few million dollars a year and combine some school districts and try and do a little better job educating our young people in the state of Mississippi. And I don't really care if your feelings are hurt. I just don't. Because we're wasting money at every single term, uh, turn in the name of what? And then what? Paying people to do stuff that they shouldn't be paid to do. Makes no sense. Everything you're, we, you know, you're making too much sense. Whenever we talk about the NCAA, I say nobody wants to upset the apple cart that keeps the money coming. And this is the same thing. People are making money. Nobody's going to make any changes. Well, but isn't it now directly damaging? You know how I, I feel mean, about it. I, if you wait until the end of the year to hire a chancellor, that, that will really harm one of your two biggest schools in your state. And it will harm the athletics department, which is a massive revenue generator, the revenue generator on a major college campus. So delaying this, this entire situation is going to cost a lot of people money in the end, won't it? Who's it costing money to? The stakeholders. Who, who's, who are you talking about? Because, well, right now, you have a situation in Oxford that could be remedied with a new athletic director pretty quickly, and I think part of it is 
lack of season ticket sales could be remedied if you had a new person come in with a new vision and sell it right away. There was, and we'll dive into this a little bit later, I'm sure, but there was a general, whether it's fair or not, mistrust with the administration at Ole Miss, and people are kind of checking out. You saw it with the crowd shots at the Rebel Road trip. People are not engaged anymore, and a new person and a new vision could have sold that. Instead, you're not going to have that. And even though whoever they hire as interim is probably going to do a very good job and be a very good person, it's still a stopgap. And because of that, they can't capitalize on any kind of positive momentum. And going into a football season where they're not selling season tickets, it will cost them money. Or at least not give them as much money as they are used to having, one way or the other. Philippine Starkville education is now a sport. Boxing to be superintendent. Greg and Nettleton says $35 million. Walked out the front door at JSU. Nobody said a word a couple of years ago. Ask JT. He'll tell you the real story. Okay. I totally agree with the consolidation you describe. You're right. It just it just makes too much sense, but it's never going to happen. I say it's never going to happen. It's not going to happen until you've got leadership in Mississippi that is worried less about getting reelected and more about doing what's right for the state. And guess what? That's not how politics works. Politics is about getting elected and then raising money while you're elected to get reelected. It's not about doing what's right. If it was about doing what's right, you'd have a governor that changed the state flag. You'd have a legislature that consolidated and quit just throwing money away and burning it at every turn with the education system. There are a lot of things that if it wasn't just about getting reelected that would happen that were good for the state of Mississippi. Instead, it's just more status quo, and we keep kind of sucking hind tit on everything. Sport Talk Mississippi with you in the Renaissance Bank studio. An elimination game going on right now in the SEC tournament. Ole Miss and Arkansas meeting for the fifth time this season. Rebels took two of three in Fayetteville back early in conference play. Arkansas won a game here earlier this weekend. This week? Isn't that right? I'm not crazy, am I? Arkansas yeah, Miss Arkansas. Yeah, five. Arkansas three. won five three on Wednesday. On Wednesday. It's been a long week in the RV out there, huh? It's kind of all run together. Yeah, <laughs> a little bit. It really has. Uh, not a lot of offense early in this ball game. Greg Hoagland, though. My God. Yeah, you guys obviously know a lot more about him than I do, but he's been very impressive in this. And you guys are saying this is the most impressive he's been all year. It's not even close. Yeah, yeah. we're only through three innings, but his demeanor looks different out there. He's kind of walking around like. Like he has a little you, bit of confidence. Use, no, I'm not going to use word? the same phrase. Are you going to use the four-letter word that uh, rhymes with flag? With a little swag? Oh. oh. I was no, like, where was are like, you whoa. going? Yeah, that, that, <laughs> I, I, don't, a I don't know that four-letter word. You invented a new curse word, man. I was, I was getting no, no, I just I didn't know if you were like opposed to the word swag, which it's a very Dan Mullen word, but whatever. Oh, yeah. Others use it as well. Oh, Hoagland's got some swag out there. He's pitching well. Get him some Yeezys. <laughs> Get him some Yeezys. <laughs> I thought it was like Air Jordan Retro. Oh, yeah, or that's a Nike school, yeah. yeah. They can also get him some pants that don't fit. <laughs> <laughs> One ah. nothing. Was last night a great game or a boring game? Hey, Dan. Uh, it had its moments of both. Um but that said, you know, the pitching was really good. Fellows was very, very sharp. He kept State off balance all night, and then Small was as good as he's been all year. Um, I thought, oh, wow, that's a tough luck play there. Wow. Hit, hit and run with the shortstop covering. Servideo got a great jump, 
and who was that, Jacob Adams? Yeah. yeah. Jacob Adams hit a rocket up the middle that in any other circumstance is a base hit. Instead, the shortstop caught it. The old six unassisted double play. And then tagged Anthony Servideo, who was sliding to avoid a tag. Or maybe he just fell. I don't know. I get they're an aggressive base running team, but dear God, dial it back a little bit. You're running into way more outs than you are success. Wait, is that a new thing? What? Ole Miss running into outs? Yeah, no, exactly. But that's what I'm saying. But like, my, like, I don't mind them stealing a lot of bases. I think that's advantageous. I kind of like them doing that. But like, it does not. It's, it seems like it's gotten to a point where it's beyond beneficial. And then like. I don't know if, like, like, it'd be interesting to see if their aggressive base stealing has any sort of effect on the dumb base running they have in other situations. Because their dumb base running is not always a result of a stolen base, but I wonder if it's the aggressive nature that gets them in bad spots. Three innings in, Ole Miss has lost two base runners. They've only had two base runners. They've lost both of them, one attempting to steal and one doubled off on a hit and run. Jake Mangum was 0 for 4 last night. Rowdy Jordan was 0 for 4. Tanner Allen had one hit. Justin Foscue went 2 for 3. Luke Hancock had a hit. Marshall Gilbert 2 for 3 in the 9 hole. And that was it offensively for Mississippi State in the game last night. No runs on six hits. No errors for the Bulldogs. Vanderbilt had even less offense. One run on three hits. The difference in the game for Vanderbilt was Julian Infante. A uh, an RBI single with two outs in the third inning, right? Second, second inning. Yeah, a, a weird, a weird scenario. The state uh, small plunks a batter. Uh, then the next, they try to move him over on the bunt, but in doing so, they're actually able to get uh, Ray onto first base. Uh, the, the throw, I think, got away from Allen, as I recall. And then he gets a, he comes back to get a short strikeout single. And then Julian Infante, who's Vanderbilt's, you know. Lowest rated, lowest batting average on the team. Uh, gets a, 19. Yeah, it's a bloop single in the left, and it's a good enough to score the run, and that was it for the game. It was one of those where it looked and sounded like it was pretty well hit. Yeah, but I think it was off the end of the bat. It and was it just kind of died down the left field line. Rowdy Jordan wasn't able to run it down, and uh, the run came home to score. Ethan Paul came around, or not Ethan Paul. It was uh, who, who was uh, Scott. Yeah, Stephen Scott came around to score. And that was the only run in the ballgame. Pitching line last night for Ethan Small, 11 strikeouts, two walks in seven innings, gave up three hits, and uh, only allowed the one run. His ERA is now 1.8 for the year. Six innings last night for Drake Fellows. Mississippi State could do nothing with him, really. He gave up five hits, had eight strikeouts and a walk, and really those two guys kind of matched each other pitch for pitch. Yeah, I was very impressed with Fellows. He, he was able to keep MSU off balance the whole night, stayed ahead of hitters, and which is, you you know, that's that's the key to, to beating a good lineup. Um, his off-speed stuff, State, both games so far in this tournament, State has struggled with the off-speed, the breaking pitches, has not been able to do a good job of getting around on those and protecting the plate. I thought the plate was very wide last night, and I didn't think MSU did a very good job of adjusting to that. Uh, big strike zone, but for both teams. But for both teams. And, and, you know, you look at Mangum, he struck out looking at one point and was upset. But, I mean, at that point in the game, you've got to realize, you know, where the strike zone is. You've got to make that adjustment and, and, and protect the plate a little bit more, especially with two strikes. Uh, but for whatever reason, State just has not – they just haven't hit the ball well over here in Hoover since basically the third inning against LSU. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Mississippi State against LSU coming up tonight. And – you want to win. I mean, we've talked about this, right? You, you asked me earlier in the week, and I was very definitive about the fact that, no, I want to go win the tournament. Yeah. I want to, want to carry a trophy out of here. I want to continue playing well. If you're Mississippi State, do you want to win tonight, or would you just be okay with losing and heading to the house and resting for a week? 
Well, when you look at it this way, let's say State wins tonight, right? Okay. They'll probably throw Plumlee tomorrow okay. against uh, Vanderbilt. And if you win that game, who are you throwing on Sunday? I mean, you are, you're, you're tapped out at that point. So I, I wouldn't mind, you know, I don't think anybody would mind from the MSU perspective. Good, nice catch. Uh, to see, you know, again, go out there, get some pitches in. And if you win, you win. But if, if you don't go home, you're locked into a 3-4 seed nationally. Get rested and get ready to play postseason baseball that matters. What about Ole Miss in this game? Rippy, what does Ole Miss need to do? I mean, they want to win the game, right? They need to win two games. To host? Yeah. That's what it comes down to. If they win today, they'll have a puncher's chance at winning a game tomorrow that'll put them squarely back in the hosting conversation and probably hosting because, what, that's 20 SEC wins if they win tomorrow? Yeah, and the RPI right now sitting at 25. Uh, win today over Arkansas would likely bump that up three or four spots, two or three spots. Winner, uh, maybe more, yeah. And then you got Georgia again tomorrow is another top five RPI team. So if you got back to back wins against top five RPI teams, then you, um, by the way, snap throw down to first base. And if Cole Zabowski turns a glove side instead of doing a pirouette to go back to the bag, then Ezel is out on a pickoff at first. Their uh, first base defense this year has been the S word. Suboptimal. Swag? Oh, suboptimal. Uh, I thought you. Sorry. There's I, another I, yeah, S word you could have thing. used as well, but, you know. Probably not appropriate. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Am I overplaying that, or if he turns glove side, does he not drop the tag in right there? Oh, he would have been out. Okay. Swaggy might be overplaying, though. Yeah. Um, So kind of an interesting situation. At this point for Mississippi State, there's nothing really to gain other than you you get a win against LSU that – you got one earlier in the week. You played yeah. four times this year. You're two be, and two against. Yeah, you'd be three and two in a best of five against LSU, which you know, gosh, means what? It doesn't mean it, of nothing. It doesn't mean anything, but maybe just from a mental standpoint, you know, we've talked about State having that mental block against LSU for all these years. Maybe to, to take a series like that or take three out of five from them, maybe it does something for you in the future. I don't know. Who but, is? Um, why is that? Because it's not like. LSU's been a demonstrably like better program than State. Like what is what is what is well, I mean, that? Because like Ole Miss, Ole Miss hasn't had that against LSU. What, but Ole Miss had it against Mississippi State last four so, years, definitely. Well, so maybe it's just it's just there's just some teams that the uniform beats you. Well, interestingly enough, Ole Miss against Arkansas has kind of gone the other way. Goodhart hits a deep fly ball to center field. That's gone, and that brother. one That's is gone. out of the yard. That is the third home run of the year for Matt Goodhart. That's a that was well hit. The DH hit it to deep right center field, hit it about 400 feet, and Arkansas takes a two to nothing lead. Too good of a pitch right there, and Razorbacks are on the board first. I, 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 just as I was about to say. Ole Miss kind of has that with Arkansas. They, yeah. they have played really well against Arkansas. They played really football, well against Texas A&M. State LSU in football. I mean, I have seen good state teams lose to bad LSU teams. Ole Miss, maybe again with Arkansas. You think about Hugh Freeze struggled so mightily against Arkansas when he was better than them almost every year he played them. So yeah. there's, there are there are just some teams that the helmet, the the jersey makes a difference. And it, you know, I know that it's not you can't quantify that, but it's it's true. 
If you want to be part of the conversation, you can text us on the C Spire text line. The number is 601-879-4395. Again, 601-879-4395. C Spire, customer inspired. Anything else we need to know about last night's game, Mississippi State and Vanderbilt? State has got to get Jake Mangum and Jordan Westberg going. They are struggling right now. Mangum is four for his last 32. And uh, for Westberg, has he had a stretch like that in his entire career? Not that I can recall. Maybe, maybe a little bit in his sophomore year, he was injured. He was yeah. playing through that that hand injury. With Westberg, it's even worse. He was hitting 385 on April third. He's hitting 298 today. I mean, a massive drop for him. He dropped in the lineup last night down to seventh, but he's got his way out of it because he's not coming out. No, certainly, uh, certainly not. Arkansas getting the bats going a little bit after the two-run home run. You follow up with Dominic Fletcher. Uh, lines one out into right field for a base hit. So back-to-back hits for Arkansas after going 11 in a row or nine in a row to start the game without a base hit. Mike Bianco coming out to visit the mound. We're going to take a timeout. It's Ole Miss and Arkansas playing in an elimination game in the SEC tournament. We've got more coming up for you in the Renaissance Bank studio. Renaissance Bank, understanding you. Arkansas strands a couple, but takes a 2-0 lead off of a two-run home run from Matt Goodhart. A couple of hard-hit balls after that. Then line drive to first and a fly ball to right into the inning. 2-0 Arkansas leading it over Ole Miss, headed to the bottom of the fourth inning. Elimination day at the SEC tournament. Two teams got sent home yesterday as Ole Miss beat Texas A&M. Yesterday, and LSU beat Auburn. Two games happening today. Ole Miss against Arkansas. Winner advances to face Georgia tomorrow. LSU, Mississippi State coming up later this evening. Winner will advance to face Vanderbilt. And it's all single elimination really from here on out. I mean, it's a single elimination game today. Loser goes home. Loser tomorrow goes home. And the loser on Sunday leaves without a trophy. Winner will be the SEC champion. Richard Cross, Brian Haydad, Brian Scott Rippey and Hoover, Michael Borky in the studio. We are glad to have you a little uh, along for the ride this afternoon. Borky, get a little fair or foul for us? Yeah, a food version of fair or foul. So the uh, Stanley Cup playoffs begin tonight. It's Boston and St. Louis for whatever that's worth to you. But inside the arena in Boston tonight, they're going to be serving this. It is a double cheeseburger with bacon, jalapenos, and fried onions sandwiched between two Krispy Kreme donuts, and they'll have potato wedges as a side. The estimated calorie count on just the sandwich is about 1,500 calories. Fair or foul, would you eat the Krispy Kreme donut double cheeseburger at a hockey game? Matt Insel would choke on it. (laughs) Wow. Ah. Um, I mean, yeah, I would eat it. If you gave me my preference of having that burger on glazed donuts or a uh, or a what like a brioche, yeah, I'd probably go the brioche route. I, I prefer a, a bun. Just a bun. To, have, you, have you ever had meat on donut? No. Well, I mean, I, I maybe I, like one with bacon bites on it or something. I, I've, I've done it before. It's it's okay. It's it's good. Didn't Mississippi State do like a donut State, burger? State did that, and of course he's referring to what Matt Insull said about it, but. And what this, was it he said? He, he, he said something about there selling donut double. I can't do a in-sell impression. He said a it lot of like things. Spurrier when I do it. But he did. Um, here's the thing. Just looking at it, and I'll give you the, the fat guy perspective here. And I, State does the same thing. It's it's The two full donuts is too much. Cut a donut in half 
and make that the bun. Two full donuts is it's it's, it's too much. You're not it's not good. I'm not going that route. Would you eat it though? Uh, I don't like fried onions. Take those off. Yeah, I'd eat it. Really? Yeah, I don't like onions. Not an onion guy. Well, I'm not like a let's slice a fresh onion and put it on a burger guy, but if they're sautéed onions or nah, you want to go with uh, like you know an onion ring on the burger, I'm all on board with that. So, yeah, I would eat it, but I'm not dying to eat it. Yeah. It looks good, though. Thomas Dillard just missed a double down the right field line and it just foul. Could have thrown, been thrown out going to third. Never know. <laughs> It's like we've been here to you know for a week, and all the filters are Rippy just is locked just, in today. All come off at uh, at this point. Uh, Borky, would you eat it? Probably not. I'll do you one better though. I have had a peanut butter and jelly cheeseburger before, and I'm telling you, it was awesome. It sounds disgusting. It is not. It's really good. I've heard, I've 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 heard of peanut butter burgers, and I've heard people putting jelly on burgers, but I, I don't know that I've ever seen them mixed up like that. I've, yeah, I've never heard of it. I would eat. So this. it's basically a peanut butter jelly sandwich with a piece of meat in between. Basically, yeah, it was all it was That's nice and dressed like, yeah. up. They had some other stuff too, but yeah. Was there cheese? So there cheese too? There was no yeah. cheese. I well, they they offered it, but I said no because oh. I I couldn't combine peanut butter and cheese. Peanut butter and cheese does not work. Yeah, not you guys ever done a slug burger? I've never, I, I, had I've, one. I've never done one. Ribby, slug burger. Oh what? He doesn't even know, he what, know what it is. is. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we did. Uh, they have the slug burger festival in Corinth. Then a few years ago, did the show from there. They had the uh, the big eating contest with. Oh, Borky wasn't Joey Chestnut there? I don't think Kobayashi was there. And yeah, um, Chestnut was there. So ate a slug burger or two. I think he won it. I uh, had a slug burger or two. I uh, probably wouldn't go out of my way to get one again, but yeah, if we were there and they What's offered or needed me to, I probably would. It's not that it, it's so slug burgers were, if I remember the story correctly, something that became popular uh, back in a time when I don't know if it was Great Depression or what, but basically they rolled up a bunch of junk that was left over and kind of patted it out into a burger and it was really cheap. And they deep fry it. There's usually like some soybean in it. Yeah, it's deep fried. Yeah. So, uh, I don't think you would want to be in an eating contest where you got to pound like 37 of them in 10 minutes or anything no. like that. I wouldn't want to be in an eating contest, period, but... You think you would win one or not? I do not. Don't think I would win an he eating contest. He couldn't even finish his lunch today. What was lunch? Hey, that drove us half an hour to a grilled cheese place. It was good. <laughs> it was not bad. Half an hour for a grilled that. cheese? Well, yeah. It was only 16 miles, but it was a half an hour worth of driving. A lot of traffic. Yeah. So where did you go? Like downtown Birmingham? Yeah, to Avondale. Okay. Um, what kind of grilled cheese did you get? It was the, the buffalo chicken with, with buffalo chicken. So you got a chicken salad with cheese on it, but we called it a grilled cheese. It, it, was, it was grilled. Sports Talk Mississippi with you. One hour in the books. Arkansas leading 2 to nothing over Ole Miss. Bottom of the fourth inning. Two outs for the Rebels with Tyler Keenan at the plate. Hour number two after this in the Renaissance Bank studio. Friday afternoon rolling into Memorial Day weekend with you. Richard Cross, Michael Borky in the studio in Jackson. Brian Haydad and Brian Scott Rippey. Glad to have you along. Sports Talk brought to you every day by Mississippi Land Bank. Online at mslandbank.com. 
Bank.com. Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. If you've got land financing needs of any kind, Mississippi Land Bank can help. Going to build a house in the country? That's sometimes a little more difficult than if you just want to um, you know, build a house in town or build a house in a neighborhood or just go hire somebody to build you a house because the financing is a little bit different. Mississippi Land Bank can help. They have been financing land for over 100 years. They understand the ins and outs of getting a more difficult loan done. At Mississippi Land Bank, they know the lay of the land. Uh, you can text the show on the ceasefire text line, 601-879-4395. Coming up 15 minutes from right now, 20 minutes after 4, we will continue the countdown of 100 teams and 100 days. Today we will look at team number 99 on the countdown. But right now let's circle back to kind of the biggest story of the day, biggest story uh, of the week, I suppose, despite the fact that you've got the SEC baseball tournament going on. News coming down last night that uh, Ole Miss Athletics Director Ross Bjork is now the Athletics Director at Texas A&M. He's going to be officially announced at uh, A&M in a ceremony with pomp and circumstance, and I'm sure the Corps of Cadets and everything else that maybe the uh, the Milkmen cheerleader guys um, – Swaying song, varsity's horns off, all those things. Human sacrifice. Uh, Cats and dogs living together. Mass hysteria. June 8th, I think, is the the official date that he's going to be introduced uh, in College Station as the new AD at Texas A&M. And, Rippin, we talked about this uh, a little bit earlier. Kind of popped up out of nowhere, uh, or at least seemingly did. It was not something where it leaked and people were like, oh, this is happening, what's going to happen? It was... This is going to happen. It's going to be announced tomorrow. Oh, wait, everybody found out about it. Let's just announce it tonight. Yeah, it happened quickly and very unexpectedly. And I, like we said earlier, I think people around the athletics department kind of felt in the same way. So, yeah, happened fast. Uh, I actually talked to, to a couple of people from the athletic department who said I had absolutely no clue before meeting at about 3 o'clock yesterday afternoon. Didn't know, didn't see it coming, had uh, no heads up that it was coming, and uh, moved on. Uh, as I understand the kind of the timeline of events, Texas A&M or somebody representing A&M reached out a couple of weeks ago to uh, Ross Bjork and uh, said that uh, he was on a list of candidates for the job and that he would likely be contacted. Uh, nothing really happened. Uh, and then earlier this week, he was contacted by A&M. They set up a meeting on Wednesday meeting went well on Thursday. So yesterday, uh, they offered him the job, negotiated the contract, and then uh, uh, it was expected to be announced earlier today. Uh, but when the news leaked out, they went ahead with the formal announcement. By the way, Texas A&M, the official Twitter account, uh, account of, I guess it's 12th man, they need to work on their Photoshop skills. That was a really terrible Photoshop job of a uh, dark suit and a maroon tie, a maroon paisley tie onto uh, Ross Bjork. I mentioned that to somebody. They're like, "Yeah, whose body was that <laughs> that went along with the the head that was popped on the top of the picture? It was bad. I remember big old baggy suit and a poorly tied maroon paisley tie. Maybe it was Dan Mullen. Uh, I remember uh, Sylvester Crooms opening press conference. Yeah, he wore a blue shirt and a red tie. And then months later, there were posters and stuff out, and that tie had been photoshopped as maroon. Really? Yeah. So it happens. 
Uh, Bjork in a maroon tie was was a shock to the system. Yeah, maroon's kind of a tough color to work with. Looks great on me. Yeah, well, maybe so. And I know you're a fan of maroon, and Mississippi State fans are maroon, and Texas A&M fans uh, are fans of maroon. Unless maroon is your school color, you really don't like the color maroon. Yeah, I, it just I, doesn't I, I really work that. on anybody. It's like a bad red brown. Yeah, you, you've got you've got to have a love for maroon to pull it off. My, my guess would be there are people even that are fans of those schools that don't actually like the color maroon. Uh, maybe. I don't know. So, fly ball to uh, left field. Arkansas strands two more runners. They have left four on base in the uh, base reloaded. Yes? Okay. Yeah, I that, believe so. That's five stranded in the uh, you just keep it scored, two innings for uh, Texas A&M. And Gunnar uh, Hoagland able to avoid the jam. Uh, I will say this. It is, uh, it's hard to win a game when you don't score a run. It's a modified version of uh, you can't win when you lose. Well, both teams yesterday tried to win a game without scoring a run. Indeed. Uh, that doesn't usually work out uh, very well. Uh, so uh, we talked a little bit earlier about this. Borky, I don't know if we ever circled back to you on questions that you think exist. What, what do people want to know? What, what do you want to know about the – the decision for Ross Bjork to move on. It's all about the timeline, as Rippy laid out. That's what everybody wants to know. And, and the frustrating thing is I've gathered from talking to a good bit of people today is that because the answer is, I don't know. Well, when do you think they're going to name a new athletic director? To be honest with you, I don't know. Well, who do you think's a candidate? Well, to be honest with you, I don't know because the person making the hire is not in place. And that's incredibly frustrating for a group of people that, quite frankly, whether it's fair or not, have kind of been looking forward to this day. It's not exclusive. Not every Ole Miss fan out there wanted to see this happen, but there was almost a sigh of relief that I saw last night into today. And it's going to turn into frustration because they won't get any real answers for what seems to be a long time. So a bit of a roller coaster. But those are the questions, is when, and there's no answer. It is a ship that no one is steering and doesn't know what direction it's going in. It it seems most likely that Keith Carter is going to be named the interim athletics director. I, I think there are really only four potential names uh, for that position uh, to, to be the interim. Um, and, and this isn't really anybody telling me. It's just kind of some connecting the dots here. Keith Carter, I think, is most likely. Um, Michael Thompson also is on the senior staff. Uh, you know, His name is one that could be potential. Lynette Johnson is the senior women's administrator and has been with the department for a really long time and could potentially fill in, in that interim role. And then this is another name that would be a little more off the radar, uh, but actually would be a, a really smart decision um, because he is a brilliant guy. Uh, and that's Ron Rischlack, who is the faculty athletics representative, uh, professor of the law school, and, uh, again, really, really bright guy uh, who has been around the program. And is probably a little more active than some of the faculty athletic reps at, uh, at other schools. So my guess is it's one of those four people, and I think most likely it's, uh, it's Keith Carter who uh, is named to that interim position. Uh, as best I've been able to tell, uh, Larry Sparks has already made it known that he is not going to hire a full-time AD, and that makes sense because it, I would think that it would be harder to hire an athletics director who didn't know who his boss was going to be. Yeah, um, that makes a lot of that, sense. That seems like that would be a difficult proposition to, uh, to sell. I'll just throw this out for you. If you want to know who Ole Miss should hire, 
I, I don't know if it's going to happen or not. I don't know if this is where it will end or not. But I'll tell you who that they should hire. Mm-hmm. They should hire Charlie Hussey. Yeah, I don't know anything about him. Tell me about him. He is the deputy commissioner of the Southeastern Conference. Okay. He's in his young 40s. Uh, grew up in Oxford. Went to school at Ole Miss. Uh, immediately out of school at Ole Miss. Went to work for the SEC. Started in ticket operations. And has worked his way all the way up to the number two position. He is Greg Sankey's right-hand man. He runs the conference on a day-to-day basis. If you want to hire somebody who, on the day that he steps into the office, has credibility and has the respect of all of his peers within the league, which would be the other 13 ADs and the other 13 presidents, then you accomplish that hiring Charlie Hussey. If you want to hire someone who has the ability to pick up the phone and get the commissioner on the phone at the drop of a hat or get the president of ESPN or or any other influential person in collegiate athletics and who understands the landscape and the way things work and who gives you a better relationship than you have currently with the conference office, then that's who you hire. Now the question is, could Charlie Hussey be convinced to take the job? It wouldn't make sense for for somebody in his position to to chase after a job. Yeah. That's something where you go to him and you say, we need you to take this position, and here's what we're willing to do for you, and will you come home and take it? Would Ole Miss pursue a guy like Danny White? Possibly. Is that worth a phone call? I mean, there's a tie there. Uh, You know, he was the director of the foundation for uh, for a while. Um, You know, we can explore that, I guess, in a little greater detail. I don't really anticipate that that's the direction that they will go. Uh, I think there are some names that you'll hear. I think you'll hear Brad Teague's name at the University of Central Arkansas, uh, formerly worked at Ole Miss, played baseball at Delta State. I think John Hartwell, who's currently the athletics director at Utah State's name, will come up. Uh, and I think there's some other names that will uh, will come along as well. But f- forget all of that. I'm, I'm telling you, if you just want to go hire a guy that is prepared for the job and ready for the job and makes sense for the job and not go through a sham of a search, then you go hire the deputy commissioner of the Southeastern Conference, Charlie Hussey. Just my opinion, though. And, and candidly, I, I've known him for a long time. He's a friend. I've known him for a long time. And I think it's because of that that I feel so strongly that that's the way you go. Sports Talk Mississippi in the Renaissance Bank studio. Ole Miss is on the board. They get a solo home run from Kevin Graham, and it was a monster shot over the right field wall. Hit the scoreboard. Kid's got some pop. Ninth of the year. Yeah, so he hit it over, what, at about 365, and then you go about 20 feet between the first and second wall. He hit it, and the second wall is elevated, probably about 20 feet into the air, so he hits it over the second wall and then another Oh, I don't know, five or ten feet up to the scoreboard and it hit the bottom of the scoreboard. Doubled the team's hit total. And it was not a single with two out. So, two home runs hit in this game. One by Arkansas, one by Ole Miss. Arkansas was a two-run job. Ole Miss a solo shot. That's the difference in the game. Five complete. Arkansas coming to the plate in the top of the sixth inning, leading two to one. Two runs, three hits for the Hogs. A run, two hits, and an error for Ole Miss. Time right now for 100 teams in 100 days. This day is bananas. B-A-N-A-N-A-S. This day is bananas. 
100 teams in 100 days. Okay, ready? Three, two, Hundred teams in a hundred days. Team number ninety-nine on the list from right down the road from where we sit right now, the UAB Blazers. the head coach of UAB, just a miraculous job. It's a story that has been told many, many times, and it's a story that just doesn't get old. This is a program that was left for dead. In fact, it was disbanded, and then it was put back together, and Bill Clark has stood in and has continued to guide the program and really is just one of the best football coaches that you'll find anywhere in the country. In 2018, he was named the Eddie Robinson National Coach of the Year, CBS Sports National Coach of the Year, the Sporting News National Coach of the Year, the Bear Bryant Coach of the Year finalist. I wonder if Paul Bear Bryant Jr. was anti the UAB coach getting that. Anyway, just thinking out loud there. Semi-finalist for the Maxwell Football Club's Coach of the Year Award. Uh, his team won the Cherubundi Boca Raton Bowl, and they won Conference USA a season ago. Uh, it's a UAB team that, well, let's just look back first before we uh, we look forward. Um, UAB last season opened the year up with a uh, with a win to start the year. They beat Savannah State 52 to nothing. Lost to Coastal Carolina on the road. Then they put together a pretty good win streak. Beat Tulane, Charlotte, Louisiana Tech, Rice, North Texas, UTEP, uh, UT San Antonio, Southern Miss before losing to Texas A&M, losing at Middle Tennessee State. Then they turned around and played Middle Tennessee State in the conference championship game. Beat MTSU on December 1st, 27-25, and then beat Northern Illinois in the Boca Raton Bowl as well. So 14 games last year went 11-3. and three. You say that out loud. It's their second year back as a football program. Yeah. It's remarkable. And they lost, they had they had some they had a good bit of attrition. They lost some some key players from that uh, that gap between seasons. And for him to come back like that, yeah. It, I, I don't know that he if it's just because he has a uh, he may have an attachment to UAB and everything that's happened there, but I will be amazed if he is not the head coach at Auburn by the end of next season. Really? Yeah. That should be their first phone call. Do you think that's a big enough name for Auburn? I think so, especially within the state of Alabama. People are going to know that name. It's like, well, okay, he took a program from the dead and, and brought them back. Yeah, I, I think so. Two quarterbacks played significant minutes a year ago for uh, for UAB. Um, A.J. Erdley and Tyler Johnson the third. Uh, Johnson threw for 1,323 yards, 11 touchdowns. He was picked off uh, nine times in the ball game, and Johnson is coming back. And so you would kind of expect him to be the starting quarterback this year for UAB. They've got uh, four quarterbacks on the roster and some young guys. David Hendricks, a junior. Uh, Johnson's just a redshirt sophomore. And then Dylan Hopkins out of Maryville, Tennessee, and uh, Bryson Lucero out of Bradenton, Florida. He went to IMG Academy. They go and they get an IMG quarterback as well on the roster. He is a, uh, a true freshman coming up this year. Uh, when you look at the schedule this fall for UAB, they start the season on the road at, uh, no, that's not right, uh, August 29th, they play Alabama State at Legion Field to uh, to begin the year. 
the championship celebration game. That's what they're calling this one to begin the season. Then it's Akron on the road, South Alabama at home. They go to Western Kentucky and then host Rice. Texas San Antonio is a road game. Old Dominion is homecoming this year. And then on November 2nd, UAB goes to Knoxville to take on Tennessee. Look out, Tennessee, or no? Yeah, look, I mean, you you got to at least be concerned. You know, I mean, I don't know enough about the other teams in, in, the, in the conference to give you an idea, but I can't imagine the talent gap is too big. But that said, UAB could very easily go to Knoxville and be undefeated when that game happens. That's, uh, that is certainly reasonable. Uh, UAB will head to Hattiesburg on November 9th to play uh, at Southern Miss. They've got UTEP at home and Louisiana Tech at home before closing out the regular season on the road against North Texas down in Denton. Could UAB be the group of five team that finds their way into a big bowl this year? Hey, probably need to do a they little deeper study. They would need to beat Tennessee, game. I think. Just, just on the surface, that would be the case. I yeah, think. because, I mean, you know, Akron. Yeah, you're not, not going to do time it. for that. Not going to do it for you. Uh, you you're still going to knock. You know, when, when you talk about the group of five team, it's going to take that spot. I mean, that means... UCF falls back mm-hmm. uh, because even though, let's say UAB is undefeated, mm-hmm. are, are they going to be ranked as highly as right. a one-loss UCF or a Houston or a, Houston or a USF yeah. uh, or Boise State? Yeah. So you're still talking about a team playing in Conference USA, and as a result, their, their schedule is just not going to be as strong. I mean, again, again you got a, a trip to Akron, and you got the trip to Tennessee. So... Uh, we'll see. I think uh, a chance for UAB to be good again. UAB team number 99 on the countdown of 100 teams in 100 days, and they're actually a little less than 100 days because they will open on that Thursday night to uh, to start the season. So Borky will have to do Saturday and Sunday on Monday. So we'll have three teams, what, 98, 97, and 96 when we roll back on Monday for Memorial Day? Yeah, that sounds fair. I, I was hoping we could squeeze two in, but I don't think that's going to happen. Do you want to know who they are, or you just want to keep it a secret? No, no, no. I, I, I want a little bit of a tease. At least give me two of the three. Okay, so we've got uh, Tulsa and Northern Illinois are two of the three. Okay. So got the uh, got the Golden Hurricane. That's a traditionally pretty good program. Yeah, they've had some good seasons. Our first Power um, Five team, for whatever it's worth, will be team number sixty-seven, and that's Louisville. Think about how far they have fallen and relatively quickly. Oh, wait, Louisville's hank- ranked higher in the football power index than Kansas is. If I'm reading this correctly, yes, they are. Wow, that is. Oh no, I lied. I lied. Georgia Tech is the worst Power Five team at eighty. That seems. Let me let me tell you something. They may be at eighty right now, going into this year, and they might even be next year. But I'm pretty excited about what Jeff Collins, I think, is going to do at Georgia Tech. He embodies your favorite word down there. Yeah, swag is not swag. my favorite word, but he's been to was, – was he the Juice Points guy also? He sure was. I, I, I once received a Juice Point. For what? Uh, I had him on a uh, podcast, and he, I asked him a good question. I said something about wreaking havoc in the back. It was like, that gets a Juice Point. So I got a Juice Point one So time. did you drink it or I, I, I just have it. I just I can I, – if you get a – Is there like a sticker that goes along with it? The cash it? value is one one-hundredth of a dollar. Okay. So, 
And is it a sticker that you can put on something? I, I, you know, I didn't, if there was, I never got it. Okay. So if Coach Collins is listening, wants to send me a Juice Point sticker, I'll put it on my car. Are you a sticker guy on your car? No, but I'll put it on there. So you don't have like uh, my kids or honor roll students? No, I don't have I, stuck on your car. I don't have that. No. If they were honor roll stick students, they, are they sent home students. a bumper sticker. Would you put it on your car? I don't know. I'm not a big fan of those. What about yeah. your "I love my so, wife" isn't sticker? That what Facebook is. That that no, that doesn't. I don't have one of those. Not that I don't love my wife. I just don't have. Do one. you have any stickers on your car? I have a Mississippi State sticker on there. That's it. Just because. Well, it's it's a Darth Vader one, so I thought it was cool. Rippy, are you a, are you a stickers on your Forerunner kind of guy? No, I put my parking sticker on there so I don't get tickets when I went to class. But other than that, no. Yeah. If you want to get me one, I'll consider it. What kind of sticker would you like? Big old Salt Life sticker. My wife has a 38 sticker on the back of our uh, of her car. Maybe oh, yeah. one of those zero point zero stickers. Yeah. Would you prefer Salt Life or zero point zero? That's tough. Zero point zero. I think you need the oversized Salt Life sticker. Maybe one with the gigantic fish logo under it. Yeah. Maybe put a Costa sticker up in the corner as well. <laughs> put a Yeti sticker in the other side. I don't even have a boat, bro. I just like the stickers. Sports Talk Mississippi with you in the Renaissance Bank Studio. Borky, have you got any stickers on your car? Yeah, it's a rite of passage. If you grew up in South Carolina, you must put a palmetto tree and crescent moon on your car. Um, everybody there, I swear everybody has one, and I, I'm i basic, I guess. Sports Talk Mississippi. I got no stickers. I do have a license plate on the front. It's the original Magnolia flag for the state of Mississippi. How do you like that? More coming up in the Renaissance Bank studio. Just after 5 o'clock with you, Friday afternoon, not just any rolling into the weekend, but rolling into a holiday weekend, Memorial Day weekend. We are getting on the road, or at least I'm getting on the road from Hoover coming up in uh, a few hours or a couple of hours as soon as we wrap up. I'm going to be on the lake tomorrow. Won't happen on Monday because Sports Talk Mississippi will be with you from 3 to 6, regularly scheduled time on Monday afternoon as uh, we walk through and take a look at where everybody is headed with uh, NCAA Regionals announced at 11 o'clock Monday morning on ESPNU. Sports Talk brought to you every day by Mississippi Land Bank. Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of land. If you've got land financing needs of any kind and you're in North Mississippi, whether you're a farmer or not, Mississippi Land Bank can help. They've been financing land and all that goes along with it for over 100 years. They understand that uh, farming is a difficult business, that sometimes you need to buy land, sometimes you need to get crop loans, production loans, uh, that you need to buy equipment from the farm. They understand the difficulties of that business. They also understand that if you're building a home in the country, it takes a little special financing. Mississippi Land Bank can help online at mslandbank.com. Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. Ole Miss went one, two, three in the bottom of the seventh inning. Arkansas leading two to one, top of the eighth. Matt Goodhart at the plate for the Razorbacks. He is the guy that had the um, two-run home run. It's the difference in the ball game right now. Uh, Arkansas leading over Ole Miss two to one. Forky, did you start to say something a second ago? No, I didn't. But um, looking forward to actually working on Monday. Believe it or not. Oh yeah, yeah. It's one of those days, you Orky know. I mean, loves to work. I, I actually really do. I really like. I really like my job. I enjoy working. But I mean, it's Selection Monday, and 
even though we had it in basketball this year, which felt different than years past, it, it's nice to to come into work on a day like that and talk about teams that have legit chances to make any kind of noise in a postseason. I don't know. It, it's it's one of those rare days where the teams that we cover are, are on a national eternal. yeah they're on a national scale and and we need I, I enjoy it so I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I think it'll be a lot of fun, and uh, we'll be able to kind of map out the road to Omaha and what it looks like and what's got to happen for Ole Miss, for Mississippi State, potentially for Southern Miss. Uh, Southern Miss with their win yesterday over Marshall. Uh, gets the off day today. They'll jump back in tomorrow. They're two wins away from a Conference USA tournament title. And if they win it, then they will be in the field of 64. And if they don't win it, they will likely have their season come to a close. Time right now for the College Football Fix. College Football Fix, driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Log on to buyfordnow.com. Find out why the best-selling trucks are built Ford Tough. At Ford, they take pride in everything they do. That's why the F-150 is the best-selling truck in America for the last 42 years. From now through the 4th of July, get special savings. If you are a military member or you are a first responder, and we'd love to hear from you about the first responders and the veterans in your community. We've all got heroes among us. Shoot us an email, sportstalk at supertalk.fm, and let us share the stories of the heroes in your community. On Mondays, we'll focus on military members. On Fridays, we will focus on first responders, and we will do that from now through the 4th of July in conjunction with Ford, who thanks all of our community heroes in their salute to service. All right, so we've got the uh, the full bowl game schedule out. We've started counting down to the uh, the college football season, so we're taking a look. We know the, the TV times and when everything's going to be on, uh, and there are a couple of things that are interesting. One, we're into one of those years where the um, college football playoff is not in – the, the right spot. Yeah? Yes. And uh, it all gets started with the Bahamas Bowl on December 20th. These are are these only games that are on ESPN? Yeah, I think these are only games that are on ESPN or ABC. Uh, so there's a Fox and a couple of CBSs that are out there. And this ball was hit a long way, but foul by Dominic Fletcher. So he made about put it in the woods. He really did. I see he, it, and it's rolling back down the hill now. Jeez. Crushed by Dominic Fletcher, but foul. So it gets started with the Bahamas Bowl and the Frisco Bowl, and then that first Saturday of the bowl season, you got the Celebration Bowl in New Mexico, Boca Raton, Camellia, Las Vegas, RL Carriers down in New Orleans. And then as you lead up to Christmas, the Bad Boy Mowers Gasparilla Bowl on December 23rd, the Y Bowl on the 24th, 26th, you've got the Independence Bowl. Uh, so let's just fast forward a second to, to the college football playoff games. December 28th, which is a Saturday, right? Saturday, it December is a Saturday. 28th. Camping World Bowl and ABC at noon, Eastern, so 11. Huge. Cotton Bowl at 11 on ESPN. And then your two college football playoff semifinal games, Chick-fil-A Bowl and the PlayStation Fiesta Bowl. Is that is that a good spot for those two games? It is on a Whoa. Saturday. But it is before. What's wrong? Did you not see that play? Well, I saw you got a close out at first. What happened? It 
Zabowski booted it a little bit. I mean, it was kind of a tough play. Rakerum to Adams, and then Adams threw over to Miller, who covered the back for the out. So Zabowski did dive for it. Yeah, I just say booted. That's probably wrong, but it was, yeah. Go for it off of his glove. Yeah, that's a good way to get it out. First out of the inning in the uh, top of the eighth. Well, in to answer so your like big question. games like that being on New Year's Eve or, or New Year's Day. Yeah, so, so is it a good spot or no? no? No, it's not a good spot for no. a couple of reasons, especially for ESPN. I'm a, I'm a bit of a ratings nerd. It's what I like. I pay attention to it. Saturday is an awful day for games like that. Generally speaking, across the board, you never want Saturday to be the day where you have a game like that because most people either have something to do or are more likely to group watch. So your rating number would not be as good as if it was either on a Sunday night, a Monday night, or on New Year's Day, which is National Hangover Day. New Year's Day is the best possible time slot for a college football game always and forever because it's the day where you're least likely to group watch and nobody has anything to do. On a Saturday, people have, they're going to go out and watch the game in the bar or, or have watch parties at their houses, and the ratings number will be smaller just because it's on a Saturday, and that trend exists in all of sports. So for ESPN, it's a bad move. Then as a sports fan, big games need to be on New Year's Day in college football. They just need to be. And having it on the 28th with 15 games in between the playoffs and the national championship just doesn't make any sense. So across the board, this is stupid. Doesn't the Rose Bowl kind of throw a wrench in this for their refusal to move off New Year's Day? Yeah, and the Sugar Bowl, too. That's incredibly dumb. Get over yourselves. It's not that cool. It's, it's, it's just, who has the power here? Am I really supposed to believe that the Rose Bowl committee and their parade have power over ESPN and That's the NCAA? Well, I mean, I guess in a te- it sounds like in a technical sense they do. But that doesn't make any sense to me. They've got a television contract in place that was signed before the college football playoff start for in perpetuity that dictates that they're on New Year's Day. Do they have that? I don't know. Like, I can't believe that that's the case. That's what they were able to negotiate, though, that in years where they were not a college football playoff game, they would be played on New Year's Day. That, that was a foolish, foolish uh, decision. Is it, is it, how is the Rose Bowl any cooler because it's on New Year's Day? You can do a parade any day of the year. Not the Rose Parade. Oh you could do it any day. I've never even watched the Rose Parade. Is it televised? It is. Okay. It's a parade. Yeah. With uh, floats with lots of flowers. It's on not it. even like you know the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade where you have the cool balloons. Yeah. So you got the college football playoff game. I, I, I will disagree. I, Borky, I understand the argument, but Saturday, December 28th doesn't strike me as a day where the entire world's got a whole lot to do. It generally feels like it's cold. You've been doing the Christmas thing. Maybe it's a travel day. Maybe you got a lot of people that are traveling post-Christmas and are away from their televisions. But that strikes me as if it's got to be on a Saturday. It certainly more, makes more sense than trying to play those games on New Year's Eve like they did a few years ago. Oh, that, that was, was a disaster. Stupid. The dumbest decision they've ever made. So on December 28th, you get those games. And then on New Year's Day... I, I'm actually going to quibble with this whole take just for a second. I kind of like that it's spread out because normally you got a couple of pretty decent bowls before New Year's Day. I mean, there are lots of games on television. But but think about this. So on Saturday the 28th, you've got the Cotton Bowl and two college football semifinals. On Sunday the 30th, you got the Music City Bowl and the Orange Bowl. 
And on the first Monday, is the, bowl if the weather will. Hold. Well, I was skipping the ones that. Well, I didn't if the care weather about. will hold, we can have that bowl. Yeah, well, whatever. Monday the thirty-first, you got the Belt Bowl, the Liberty Bowl, and the Alamo Bowl. Always quality Alamo Bowl. And then on Tuesday the first, you got the Citrus Bowl, the Outback Bowl, the Rose Bowl, and the Sugar Bowl. I think the only thing I, it, I like the spread out part. Just the Sugar Bowl and the Rose Bowl should be on the twenty-eighth, and the, the, the semifinal game should be on the first. That's 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 the only change you really need to make. I can get past the idea of you know you're still playing what I guess what's five bowl games between the playoff between New Year's Day and the the national championship game. I, I that's fine, but the 28th for those semifinal games that's, that's just too long away. Oh, Olszewski just made a really nice play. Got to the wall, reached over into the first row of the stands. The nice LSU lady in her tank top didn't interfere, and he made a catch. That surprised you that he caught that, Rippy? Well, it looked like he was headed fairly far into the stands, and he did stretch out, what, at least a row? Yeah. Kind of reached out over the seats, first row, made a good defensive play, so Arkansas strands a couple more. Razorbacks leading 2-1. to one. These two teams meeting for the second time in the tournament. Arkansas won the first game 5-3 to three on Wednesday. They're leading 2-1, to one, headed to the bottom of the eighth inning, Ole Miss with the bottom third of the lineup coming to the plate. College football playoff national championship game, January 13th. That's a long time after December 28th. Sports Talk Mississippi in the Renaissance Bank Studio. That's your college football fix. We've got more coming up on this Friday, Elimination Friday, in the SEC Baseball Tournament in Hoover, Alabama. Porky, I thought you would appreciate more than anything me just letting the Zeppelin roll a little bit. It's sad because you've, uh, with the the ambience and the music and stuff there, I've been playing it all day. I've been in one of those kind of moods and just you're unable to hear it because you've got a speaker right above your head. Cooper Johnson with a leadoff walk, and uh, Brian Scott Rippey is lobbying with everything that he has for a bunt here because he wants to see Ole Miss with a runner in scoring position and a chance to try and get a one out. <laughs> so video's not going to hit a dinger. You might as well bunt. He could beat it out, too. You might as well bunt is words that should never be spoken. All right, so are you bunting here? There yep. it is. Where's the bunt? Bunts at it and misses it. We might, we might play by play this whole at bat. Set the table for your non hole hitter. Please do. That's a good point. Yeah, Adams. Take of Adams standing on deck. Uh, Zebulon Vermillion is in the game for Arkansas. I remember when he eight. tried to poison Superman? Jeez, that's a, a pretty serious name. Bunt fielded, thrown to first. Sacrifice is effective. Textbook baseball right there, my Tie friends. runner at second base. It's almost like the late Augie Garrido was calling it from the dugout. It's exactly what Augie would have done. You know that, don't you, Rippy? Augie lived by the bunt. He won by the bunt. <laughs> he won a bunch of national championships, man. Two schools. Rippy is, is having none of this bunt. When was yeah, the last one? Any, uh, any part of it? Uh, 2005. 
14 I mean, he's dead years now, ago. Borky, and he hasn't coached for a while before that. He's dead. <laughs> I'm aware of that. I'm he talking about the been game able to evolution. Win one for the last. He may have won some championships we're not aware of because we're not in the Pearly Gates League, uh, you know, stat system. But my gosh, Jacob Adams batting pitch in the dirt hit him. Oh, it hit him. What a bummer! If that one just kicks away, then you got the tying run just 90 feet away. It was only one out in the inning, and it was all set up by the fact that you were willing to trade it out to get a runner into scoring position. Just like you drew it up, Palm. Now Thomas Dillard strolls to the plate, swinging it from the left side with a couple of runners on base. Rebels down a run. It's all, I, I, you look you look so uncomfortable, like to the point of almost breaking out in hives right I, now. I don't care. It's just that it, it, I... It, it's interesting to see strategies that don't make a ton of sense with regards to math. And so you have six outs left. You now gave them an out, said, here you go, we don't want it, to set the table for your nine-hole hitter. The uh, nine-hole hitter reached base safely. He did. He got hit in the foot. Great game, Dorn. Baseball America's got their new regional projections out. Vanderbilt has moved up to the number one seed line. Paired up with the Baton Rouge, Louisiana regional. Poor LSU. Had to go to Nashville. Ooh, that's tough. Good luck with that. Uh, LSU with uh, Baylor, Houston, and Wright State. UCLA, the number two national seed. Paired up with Coral Gables. Miami is the number 15 seed. No SEC team. Oh, that's not true. Uh, A&M is the number two seed in Coral Gables. Athens, Georgia. Bulldogs, number three national seed, paired up with Las Vegas, UC Santa Barbara, and Baseball America's got Florida State getting in as a three seed. Mike Martin, one last last run. Starkville, Mississippi State, the four seed. With Illinois State, Samford, and Dayton. Flyers. I've not seen a combination of teams in the Starkville regional where you go, oh, geez. When they had Dallas Baptist... And Southern Mississippi in there, and I was like, okay, that could be a tough regional, but you're right. The recent ones, and Illinois State is starting to become a, uh, every prediction I see has them going there. Raleigh, North Carolina is who uh, Mississippi State paired up with. NC State, West Virginia, Tennessee is the three seed. That's and tough. And William and Mary. Tennessee is a three seed. That is my, I don't know enough about West Virginia to tell you, but that's got to be a tough regional. That is a really difficult regional, no question about that. Arkansas going to their closer, Matt Cronin, coming into the game. 2.13 ERA in 25 and a third innings. He uh, he throws hard fastballs and hard sliders. Got the corn walkout song, so that's exciting. You like that? Yeah. Uh, Arkansas, number five national seed with Connecticut, Clemson, and UCA, Central Arkansas. And Fayetteville paired up with uh, Stanford as the number 12. Louisville, Kentucky. Louisville, the sixth seed with Auburn as the two. Indiana State and Ball State. Paired up with the Corvallis, Oregon Regional. Oregon State, the 11 seed with Ole Miss, the two. Michigan, the three. And Bryant, the four. That is not an easy regional. Michigan, pretty good out of the Big Ten. Yeah. With Ole Miss as the two and Oregon State as the I don't know much about Bryant. Um, Wait, did Bryant make some noise in a regional last year? 
I don't know if it was last year. It's been recently. That last year or two years ago, they won a game. They have won a couple of games yeah. in a uh, regional setting. Texas Tech, the number seven national seed with Creighton, Missouri in as a three. And Nebraska-Omaha paired up with Georgia Tech, falling out of the national seed conversation to number 10 with Illinois-Florida as the three and Jacksonville State. You tell me what you would rather be. Would you rather be the number two seed in Corvallis with Michigan as the three and Oregon State as the host or the spot that Florida is in with Georgia Tech as the host, Illinois as the two, and Florida as the three? Atlanta seems like a pretty soft landing spot. You would much rather be in the spot Florida's in than a number two seed in Corvallis. Yes, I agree with that. Uh, finally, Greenville, North Carolina. East Carolina, the number eight national seed, paired up with Stillwater, Oklahoma, or Oklahoma State, a nine seed with Dallas Baptist, Duke, and Stony Brook. We'll, uh, we'll look at the uh, regional projections from Stewart right now. D1 Baseball also. They right. updated theirs as well today. Um, is this right? Make sure these are. Yeah, it's May 24th. Okay, UCLA is the number one overall. Uh, no SEC teams there. Paired up with Las Vegas. Again, no SEC teams. Vanderbilt, the number two. Paired up with West Virginia. No SEC teams in Morgantown. Mississippi State, the number three. Illinois State, Clemson, and Jacksonville State, two, three, and four. Paired up with Miami, where they've got Ole Miss as a two seed. Could get that high drama we've been begging for for years. Yeah. If uh, Ole Miss were to go to Coral Gables and win a regional, is that a good landing spot or no? There's a base hit into the outfield by Thomas Dillard. Throw coming toward the plate. It is up the line, not in time. And a runner at third is safe. Ole Miss has tied the game at two on an RBI single from Thomas Dillard. And Jacob Adams, pretty good slide to get in safe. Or is that Servidio? On first, it would have been uh, that that Servidio that scored. uh, Adams. So Servidio scored. New ball game. First pitch that Dillard saw from Cronin. He lined it into center. He couldn't hit a home run, so he could stay on pace of getting this game finished. Let's go here. Yeah. I thought Servidio was the one that bunked to do after this. That's right. Servidio had the sack bunt. Yeah, that'd that'd be Cooper Johnson. That was Cooper Johnson. Cooper. Yeah, Yeah, Adams got to third on the bum wheel, got hit in the foot. That's right. Is he moving a little slow around the bases? Couldn't tell. Throw came to the plate. It was way offline up the third baseline. Then they threw it to third. And guess what we're doing now? Game of Thrones. We're reviewing. Okay. We are reviewing whether Game or not of Thrones Jacob is being played there. Safe or out title, at third base. Regardless, it's going to be a tie ball game with one out. And the go-ahead run at third base for the Rebels and Jacob Adams. I mean, the bunt strategy turns out to be. That's brilliant baseball. Just stupendous. Managerial expertise. The foresight to a be able to see a bean ball in the foot is just stuff you can't replace. This guy used to pitch you inside, right? Yeah. Go <laughs> there and lean into one. Go there and lean into one. Uh, Georgia, the number four national seed. This according to D1 Baseball, paired up with the NC State Regional, where they've got uh, Tennessee as a two. Arkansas, the number five, where they're paired up with Stanford. And Auburn, having to go to Stanford as a two seed. Louisville, the number six national seed. No SEC team in Louisville. Corvallis has got Florida as a three seed. Uh, Lubbock, Texas has got A&M as the two seed. Stillwater, Oklahoma. Also has Florida State in. Atlanta is the number eight national seed, Georgia Tech, with LSU. And Atlanta as the two, paired up with uh, East Carolina as the number nine overall seed. You think LSU fans might take over Russ Chandler Stadium in Atlanta? That will happen. 
that, that would yeah. occur, yes. I mean, it will look like a LSU home game in a 4,000-seat stadium. Yeah. Um, so those are your uh, Baseball America and D1 Baseball Regional So, so D1, no SEC teams hosting beyond the national seats. Is LSU and A&M on the road. How about right? that? Do you buy into that? No. I think, especially if LSU can beat Mississippi State tonight, they will host. Yeah, and I mean, I think you would probably see that updated in the next yeah. set of uh, projections that are out there. I think LSU is going to host either way. Uh, I've got a review. They leave Jacob Adams safe at third base. So Ole Miss has runners at the corners with one out in the bottom of the eighth inning. Tied 2-2 with Arkansas. Ray Kessinger coming to the plate. Go-ahead run at third base. And what are you looking to see? Parker Caracy's getting loose? I think it is. He's too short, though, for me to see the number. Sports Maybe talk. I'm too short. Uh, that is Parker Caracy. Sports Talk Mississippi with you in the Renaissance Bank studio. Renaissance Bank, understanding you. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.